friends, Pastor Kelsey Exline here with Spark United, a church without walls for real people with real questions. We are a network of house churches called Sparks that meet wherever the people are. And we come together regularly for worship and mission as one church, Spark United. What is one paperclip worth? Hmm. What do you guys think? Depends on what it's holding. Oh, it depends on what it's holding. That's pretty good. Okay. If it's not holding anything, it's just in your hand. What is it worth, do you think? Third of a penny. Probably close. Is a dollar twenty six or a hundred of them? So let's move the decimal over. <laughs> not worth very much, right? Well, in two thousand and five, Kyle McDonald was twenty six year old. Twenty six years old then. And he had heard about the bigger and better game. Have you guys heard of that? That youth groups play, where you just have some random thing and you go house to house or wherever and say, "Could you give me something bigger or better than this thing I've got in my hand?" Right. So he's inspired by that, and he thought, "Man, you know, the first thing he saw on his desk was a red paper clip." He's like, "I wonder if I can turn this one red paper clip into a house. <laughs> Could I get a house?" So he started using Craigslist. And uh, it took 14 trades. Here's the, the order of his trades. He went from one red paper clip to one fish-shaped pen. Okay? Now he can write. He's got a pen. And he takes his fish-shaped pen and puts that on Craigslist. And someone's like, hey, I'll, I'll trade you this tiny doorknob with a smiley face on it for your fish-shaped pen. And so now he's got a doorknob that has a smiley face on it. Well... Someone wanted his doorknob, and they were willing to give their Coleman camping stove for that doorknob. And so he got a stove, which is pretty great, you know, from a paper clip. But it's not done yet. His goal is a house. And so at this point, it was becoming a big enough thing, he actually made a website called OneRedPaperClip.com, and that's where people started giving him offers. He said there's some crazy ones, like people would offer their body parts and their souls. And he's like, I'm not interested in that kind of thing. But someone eventually came along who offered him a power generator for the camping stove. So he, he took, he took the, the power generator, and eventually someone offered him a keg of beer for that generator. So then he had a keg of beer from a paper clip. Then someone wanted a snowmobile. So he got a snowmobile for a keg of beer, which I would be pretty happy just to stop the snowmobile, right? It's not a house. He wants a house. Well, someone eventually decided to trade their small panel truck for the snowmobile, so now he's got a truck, and then uh, a lady, or a studio, someone who has a recording studio, they offered him a studio recording contract for the truck, and so now he's got studio time, and there's this, this artist out in Phoenix, I think, and she really wanted you know a break and to get some studio time, and so she traded one year in an apartment in Phoenix, downtown Phoenix, one year's rent there, for this studio contract, the one-bedroom uh, apartment. Well, that one year of rent turned into a half day with Alice Cooper. <laughs> and now there's like a big audience who wants to hang out with this rocker. And so someone traded a motorized Kiss snow globe for hang time with Alice Cooper. So now he's got the snow globe, which worked out really well because actor Corbin Burnson, Burnson uh, really likes snow globes and collects thousands of them. And he did not have this motorized Kiss snow globe. And so, Kiss like the rock band, not like wah wah, yeah, no. Uh, um, and so, he traded a speaking role in a film 
for <laughs> the Snowblow. <laughs> Uh, the, the film was Donna on Demand. I don't know what movie that is, but uh, and, and so the the fellow uh, Kyle McDonald, who's trying to turn this one red paper clip into a house, he thought, well, surely there's someone in Kipling, Saskatchewan, who would really want the speaking role, uh, which that's where he's hoping to get this house. He's Canadian, and so he offered it and the the speaking role in this movie, and the entire town of Kipling, Saskatchewan, traded him a house for the speaking role, and then they had auditions in their town for, for the speaking role on this movie. <laughs> and so he got a house for one red paper clip. It took him one year and one day to go through all those trades, 14 trades in total, to turn one red paper clip into a house in Kipling, Saskatchewan, because one year rent free in Phoenix was not enough. He wanted a house that he could own. So today, we're talking about snowballing, okay? You guys think about snowballing, how it tumbles in the snow, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And when we're talking about balling and living rich, make, taking what you got and making it more, right? Whether it's one little red paper clip or whatever it might be. And our, our scripture for tonight is Matthew 25. I'm going to look it up in my physical Bible here. I'm reading from the Common English Bible, so if you're like, what translation is that? That's the one I'm in. Um, it is available on you version. Um, I'm going to go there. Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. Jesus is telling the story. He's talking about the, the kingdom of heaven. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who was leaving on a trip. He called his servants and handed his possessions over to them. To one he gave five valuable coins, and to another he gave two, and to another he gave one. He gave to each servant according to that servant's ability. Then he left on his journey. After the man left, the servant who had five valuable coins took them and went to work doing business with them. He gained five more. In the same way, the one who had two valuable coins gained two more. But the servant who had received the one valuable coin dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The one who had received five valuable coins came forward with five additional coins. He said, Master, you gave me five valuable coins. Look, I've gained five more. His master replied, Excellent. You are a good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll put you in charge of much. Come, celebrate with me. The second servant also came forward and said, Master, you gave me two valuable coins. Look, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done. You are a good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll put you in charge of much. Come, celebrate with me. Now the one who had received one valuable point came and said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man. You harvest grain where you haven't sown. You gather crops where you haven't spread seed. So I was afraid, and I hid my valuable coin in the ground. Here, you have what's yours. His master replied, You evil and lazy servant. You knew that I harvest grain where I haven't sown, and that I gather crops where I haven't spread seed? In that case, you should have turned my money over to the bankers, so that when I returned, you could give me what belonged to me with interest. Therefore, take from him the valuable coin, and give it to the one who has ten coins. Those who have much will receive more, and they will have more than they need. But as for those who don't have much, even the little bit they have will be taken away from them. Now take the worthless servant and throw him outside into the darkness, 
People there will be weeping and grinding their teeth. <coughs> this is an interesting concept here. That <coughs> those who have a lot will be given more. Those who don't have much, what they have will be taken from them. But I think we can unpack this and understand why Jesus is teaching that. And our key idea tonight is that God gives us much so that we can make it more. We're, we're snowballing here. The first thing we can start with is who we are in Christ, right? Last week we we uh, talked about um, that God's image is on us, right? We said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, give to God what belongs to God, what Jesus teaches. His image is all over us. And we first and foremost belong to God. In, in Genesis it says God... Uh, created humanity in God's own image. In the divine image, God created them. Male and female, God created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fertile and multiply, fill the earth and master it, take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and everything crawling on the ground. So, again, we're going we're gonna to emphasize this point. You are made in God's image. You are designed in the creator's image, and that means a few things about you. First of all, God's image, and that means that you're going to be creative. Not all of us can draw, not all of us can play music, but we all have imaginations. We all can be creative, whether it's in the medical field, whether it's in construction, whether it's in, in science or arts or with, with words. God has made us to, to create. We're made in His image. God has also made us stewards. He's put all creation under our charge. That doesn't mean that we are sovereign. It doesn't mean that creation belongs to us. It's God's. <coughs> Sorry. But we are stewards. And we get to take care of and manage what belongs to God. <coughs> the next thing, we can be maximizers. <coughs> God wants us to take what he gives us and he wants us to make more of it. And so, whatever we have, whether it's one red paper clip, or uh, a gift in music, or an interest in something, we can make more of it. <coughs> and lastly, God also has created us to be multipliers. He says, go and multiply, be fruitful. And so, <laughs> what might have been one, God gives us authority and ability to make into two, right? And so we are creatives, stewards, maximizers, multipliers. Some of us might be more gifted in certain areas than others, but all those parts, all those things are aspects of God's image on you. The next thing is God gives us unique gifts too. Unique gifts. He gives us uh, abundantly, uniquely, and according to your ability with him. So don't think about the limitations of your ability. Think about what God can do through you. These uh, valuable coins, that's how they translated the CEB, uh, other translations say talents. Um, these coins are worth about 20 years, each, each coin is worth 20 years wages, of a day laborer's wages. So one of those would be worth about $600,000. That's to the servant who only got one. The servant who got two was like $1.2 million. And the one that got five talents or five value coins is $3 million entrusted to them. And, uh, I mean, <laughs> the master of the story, he, he entrusted each of them 
abundantly. Even even the one with just one, who would complain about being trusted with six hundred thousand dollars, right? And he he gives them a chance to do something with it. And when they do something with it, he gives them a chance to do something with more. So even the one who only had one could have done more with it and received more trust to, to take over. Um, <clears throat> we're going to be talking more about God's gifts in your life, which might not be $600,000, but there are three T's of giftings that God gives you. He gives you the gift of time. Okay? Every breath that we breathe, <laughs> every day we have is an opportunity, right? And I think the cool thing about the gift of time is it's a force multiplier. You fight uh, the other T's, the treasure, and the talent, <coughs> and you can build on those things exponentially. Think about it. The more time you invest financially, uh, the more your money can become even more, right? So, like, they say for retirement, start investing in your retirement when you're in your 20s. For sure they say by the time you're 25 because the time... That your your money is, is you know being invested in stocks and mutual funds and all that, you're actually making way more money over the course of your life. You have a lot more for retirement than if you can start saving five years later. So time is a force multiplier of finances. It's also a force multiplier of talent. God's given each of you gifts, and when you put time towards those gifts and developing them, you can get really good at what you do. I mean, I can't imagine how much time. Um, you musicians have spent playing your instruments and practicing, right? But if you never touch your instrument and you, you, you know, played it for like five minutes, probably not going to be a whole lot of talent there, right? Yet, a little bit of natural talent, but then you build on it, and you build on it, it becomes more and more, and the more you learn, the, more, the easier it is to learn, right? Same thing um, with, with teaching or in the medical field. We've got Dr. G with us tonight, and I'm sure at first, when you started the medical field, I don't know if it was hard to, to learn all the, the things you're learning, but I bet the more you know, the easier it is to learn. Right? You've got a huge base to build on in knowledge and, and awareness of the, the medical conditions that people go through for diagnoses. Uh, whatever it is that you are good at or that you have an interest in, that God's given you a bent towards, you apply time to that and you can make even more of whatever that gifting is. Um, so... Time, talent, treasure. And when we talk about treasure, we don't just mean finances. It's all of our stuff. Whether it's, um, and a lot of you, you know, bring, bring your personal possessions here to Spark Teams for ministry. That's part of your treasure. Um, that's, that's a way that you're honoring God with, with the treasure that you have. Um, our talent could be our skills, but it's also our, our service, too, our work. You guys used your talent tonight to be able to put this space together and like four hours, right? This is impressive. Four, five, six hours. Um, I, I was very impressed with that. You guys did awesome. So we want to we want to maximize our gifts, maximize our time uh, by by choosing selectively how we use it. And obviously there needs to be rest too. But we can be you know intentional about how we use our time. We can be intentional about how we use our treasure, not just our money, but our stuff too. And we can be intentional about how we use our talents. Our, ser our serving, our skills. If you faithfully make the most of what God has given you, he's just going to entrust you with more. You, you offer to him what you have, even if you feel like it's not much. You offer that to him, he's going to entrust you more. If you're faithful with a little, he's going to give you more to it, right? Um, I think about 
Joseph. You guys know the story of Joseph. He was sold into slavery by his brothers in Egypt. And it's so cool to read his story because over and over again it says that you know Joseph worked you know as a as a slave for Potiphar and then he worked in the prison. And everywhere he went, God just multiplied and blessed until eventually he basically was the ruler of Egypt. Like Pharaoh said, I'm basically only above you by name, but you're in charge of everything, dude. I trust you. Everything you touch turns to gold. Like, go for it, Joseph. <laughs> the kingdom's yours. That's because God was with him and Joseph was faithful. And uh, he, he always put God first. So we want to maximize our gifts and be faithful with what God has given us. But we also need to remember that our end goal isn't a matter of making more money with what we have. Our end goal is faithfulness and personal growth. Proverbs reminds us that money isn't money isn't the end goal. It says acquiring wisdom is much better than gold, and acquiring understanding is better than silver. So, however you're you're maximizing the giftings God is giving you, it's it's not so much about the end goal of getting really good or amassing wealth or whatever it is. It's about the journey of being faithful to God and journeying with God, and you're going to learn wisdom as you walk with Him in this. Next thing is God leaves His gifts. To our initiative. Isn't that amazing? The master in the story, he didn't tell the servants what to do. He just entrusted them with you know, these talents, these valuable points, and let them decide how they're going to use them, how they're going to invest or not invest. Small choices and daily habits pack on momentum like a snowball. So God lets us decide, but we've got to decide what we're going to do with, with each day with each dollar he puts in our hands, uh, each thing that we receive, each skill that we have, we have a choice of whether to build it, one small habit, one small choice at a time, one day at a time, or to neglect it, one day, one small choice, one habit at a time. I mean, I think it's, it's just like losing or gaining weight, right? I struggled with my weight throughout my life, and I can tell you when it creeps on, you don't realize it until it's there, but it takes you know weeks, months, or years for it to creep on. And it was one small, one small choice at a time that led to it. Same thing with losing weight and getting healthy. Sometimes you just want to, to be healthy right away and to lose all that weight right away. But you gotta decide. I'm gonna go to the gym today. I'm gonna run, or I'm gonna I'm gonna skip this and eat that instead. You know, um, I'm gonna not drink soda today. I'm just gonna have water. Um, whatever, whatever it is, one small choice at a time. Spiritual disciplines are also like that too. When we talk about our spiritual giftings, each day we have a decision: Am I going to spend time in reading God's Word today? Am I going to spend time praying today, or am I going to let the other tasks I have to do take precedence, take priority? Um, I mean, any habit. Uh, you know, you think about, you know, health habits like smoking or drinking. Those are formed one day, one small choice at a time. And, it's easy to think, oh, it's a small choice, I'll start tomorrow. But every time you wait to start tomorrow, it just adds on to that habit and that snowballing momentum. Just like every day that you choose to abstain adds on to your success and your victory over any kind of addiction, right? Another thing, too, is we've got this, this uh, idea of work and laziness. And um, Actually, before we go to that, I want to talk a little bit about the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> you guys know the fans. We're playing tomorrow. I'm not going to be able to scream during the game because I will have no voice for a week. I'm already losing my voice. But this past week, for those of you who didn't watch it, it was like the most momentous game I've ever seen. 
in my life, okay? It was amazing. Uh, amazingly bad at first. It was rough. Like, all of our big stars, they, they had butterfingers. They couldn't hold on to the ball. And, like, the Tennessee, or no, it was the Texans. The, the yeah, Texans, yeah. right? Houston Texans. Yeah. They scored 24 points in, like, a matter of minutes. It was 24 to 0. Even, like, our own fans were booing our team. It was really sad. I didn't even know, like, what to think. I'm like, we're not going to the Super Bowl. That's it. We're done. We're toast. Like, our team is, like, melting over here. They can't do anything. Well, then Patrick Mahomes comes. He's our quarterback, our golden boy. And uh, he comes over to the sideline while the defense is playing. And he starts talking to his offensive line. And he's yelling at them. I can't tell what he's saying. But I'm like, man, he's giving them a pep talk. He wasn't being mean, but he was pep talking them. And later I got to see what he said. And he just said over and over again, one play at a time. One play at a time. One play at a time. Let's do something special. One play at a time. Let's do something special. And just over and over told him that. Uh, and they went out, and right after that, they made a big return. Guess what? We were winning by the end of that half, by, <laughs> by, by like the middle of the second quarter. It was, what was it, 28 to 24 or something? It was amazing. Uh, we scored on seven consecutive drives, seven touchdowns. We ended up winning the game 51 to 31. We were losing by 24 to zero at the beginning. Uh, but that doesn't tell you one play at a time, one small choice at a time, one habit at a time can, can make huge results. But I tell you what, if they would have just looked at the momentous, you know, challenge, I mean, they were, they were like a puddle of fear and discouragement. And I would have been too. But what, what cool leadership, what good leadership was able to take that, to change the team's mindset, and to bring the best out of them and inspire them, right? Uh, personally, more than all the skill that was shown in that game, I was most impressed with uh, our, our quarterback's leadership and how he was able to talk his team off the cliff <laughs> and do something special. They did. They, they set a new record. They did something special that night. So, we have a choice of how to use God's gifts. And the Bible says a lot about work and laziness, especially in, in Proverbs, because sometimes it's just hard get things done, and I'd just rather sit and watch Netflix or Hulu or whatever, you name the app, right? So I'd rather watch football all day. <laughs> um, here are a few proverbs. Um, the first one is, the lazy have strong desires, but receive nothing. The appetite of the diligent is satisfied. If you're diligent in the gifts that God has given you, you're going you're gonna to be satisfied. Laziness brings poverty. Hard work makes one rich. Proverbs 10.4. Proverbs 13.11 says, Riches gotten quickly will dwindle, but those who acquire them gradually become wealthy. Tell you what, it's sometimes tempting on these like get-rich-quick schemes, right? You hear about, like, oh, I can, you know, join this pyramid scheme, or maybe go to the casino. I extremely discourage gambling, but some people think, I just can't get the lottery, or go to the casino and, you know, win a few, you know, rounds of blackjack, or, uh, you know, do this job that seems really sketchy, but it'll give me money. Bible says, don't, don't go for that. Make good decisions. Grab, and gradually, you'll become wealthy, right? Get, get your money, your resources, the honest way. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be quick. But you'll be blessed for it. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent end up in profit. But those who hurry end up with loss. Sometimes we just want to cut corners. And maybe we're not doing anything dishonest, but we're just not being diligent. And we're, not, we're not caring well for the gifts 
the opportunities we've been given. Uh, scripture says, take your time and do it right. Whatever it is, take your time and do it right. Uh, Proverbs 23, 4. Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be smart enough to stop. This is good advice. Because we're talking about work hard, work hard, work diligent, work diligent. But guess what? Life isn't all about work. It's not all about money. Uh, it's not all about amassing wealth. God tells us to rest too. And that's why he gives us the Sabbath, uh, that seventh day of rest. We are not uh, human doings. We are human beings, right? And God reminds us on the Sabbath that you are not defined by your activity, but who you are in him. And so be smart enough to, to stop and to rest. Um, a few things about financial, how to handle our finances and small choices we can make to kind of grow wealth. Because uh, we are talking about practical money things, too. I've got a, a few more words of advice from our friend Dave Ramsey. Uh, last week, we, we talked about the first few baby steps to financial freedom. And the first one is save $1,000 in an emergency fund because life happens, right? That way you don't go into debt when you need to get a, your cavity filled or, I don't know, get your dog rabies shots or something, right? <laughs> uh, the second thing. Pay off your credit cards. Once you get that $1,000, start uh, being really active and paying off your credit cards. We talked about some practical advice on how to tackle debt last week. So if you're dealing with debt and you missed that, uh, check it out. It's on the podcast. And the next one, once you've paid off your, your credit cards, start trying to save more money towards your emergency fund. Uh, ideally, three to six months worth of living expenses so that if you ever do lose your job, and you're in between work, you've got something to fall back on you and your family. And once you've got your three to six months worth of living expenses saved back, then you can start investing in your, your future. Uh, mutual funds are a pretty solid way to be able to do that. They diversify across different stocks. You can choose how aggressive or not aggressive. Uh, when you're younger, you can afford to go for more aggressive stock options, which means that You've got higher likelihood of making a lot more money off of it, but there's also a lot more risk, and you could lose money, okay? Um, when you're younger, it's easier to be able to, to put more money uh, towards the more aggressive options, because if you do lose money, you still got a lot of time to save for retirement. The older you get, the more you kind of start saving towards more moderate options and safer options that you still get interest, maybe not as much profit, but there's also a lot less risk in those options too. So. I am not a financial advisor, <laughs> but this is this is just some basic advice. Uh, also, save towards retirement. Uh, he he encourages you to save fifteen percent of your income towards mutual funds and retirement. Um, it's never too early to start saving towards retirement because of inflation. Uh, when you save earlier, the interest rates you receive over the, the time of your life compact and compound, and you get more and more, which will help you be able to afford. Uh, inflation that's going to be like, you know 50 years from now however however old we are when we're ready to retire um, you can also save towards your kids college also realizing that college isn't necessarily the best option for everyone so that might be an optional thing uh, personal conviction um, and the last thing he says is you know if you've got any extra money at this point start you know being more aggressive and paying off any mortgage you might have um, the quicker you pay off the principal, what you owe on it, the less you're going to pay out interest rates. Those are all very basic uh, advice from Dave Ramsey um, on small choices we can make um, to be able to uh, grow wealth and to, to get out of debt and also to build wealth for our family, 
and ultimately to be generous, which we're going to talk about that more next week. Um, I think about our, our servant here who did not handle his wealth well, right? We had the two who handled their wealth well and uh, got five coins for the five coins he had, two for two. And we got the one who decided to bury, bury the money, forget about it, and then return it. How we handle our gifts, how that, that servant handled his gift, it reflected on his attitude towards the gift giver, towards his master, didn't it? Um, and think about the servant. Uh, he rationalized his failure by blaming his master. He neglected to do anything with this coin. Um, I don't know, maybe he was just afraid of failing. Maybe that's what kept him from investing it. And he thought, man, if I lose this coin, I'm going to get in so much trouble, so I just don't even do anything with it. I'm just going to bury it. I don't want to fail. For, feel, for fear of failing, he never tried. Have you guys ever been through something like that in your life where you've got, <laughs> you've got something that you feel called to do or gifted to do or interested in, and uh, you're so afraid of failing that you're, you just, you're, you're afraid to even pursue it? Right? And so sometimes we bury those dreams that God puts in our hearts. We bury those gifts that He's given us because we're just afraid that what if what if I fail? But guess what? In his fear, he ended up distorting who his master was. He ended up accusing the master's character of, of things that I don't believe were true. But I think his fear told him that this is what's going on and you know, he thought the master was going to, was a harsh man. Um, but I don't think the master was as much harsh as the servant was afraid and was justifying his fear. And he, he had a twisted view of his master and uh, and was afraid of, of <laughs> putting himself out there. He uh, was afraid of failing. But really, the master wasn't harsh. The master was generous. He trusted him with $600,000 worth of coin, right? And really, the servant, as the master says, he says, you, you evil, lazy servant. So whether the servant was afraid or the servant was lazy, uh, the servant was selfish, we see that in his selfishness, in his fear, it drove him to seek security, not service. Let's think about that again. We're just going to pause there. Selfishness and fear drive us to seek security, not service. If we're all about what's in it for me, we're all about, I don't want to put myself out there because it's scary and I don't want to look like a failure to the food and, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to hide back here. We're not going to be doing things out of the motivation to serve and to love and to give. We're going to be holding back because we just want to be secure. So, how we handle our gifts reflects our attitudes towards the gift giver. Do we love the gift giver? How are we going to use the gifts if we love the gift giver? We're going to steward them well, and we're going to grow them, and we're going to invest in them, right? And we're going to use them in ways that honor the gift giver. Do we distrust the gift giver? Well, then we might hold back. We might try to use it for ourselves. We might try to use it in a way that glorifies ourselves and not the gift giver or uh, to even not do anything with it. Do we, are we going to obey? Are we going to rebel? How we use our gifts 
reflects our attitudes towards the gift giver. So your work, what you do, is worship. And how we've invested or neglected our God-giving gifts, we'll answer for that. We see at the very end that there, there is judgment uh, for the servant who invested those gifts. Uh, the, the one with five, you know, he received five more. The master said, you've been faithful a little, I'm going to give you even more. And he said the same thing for the one who had two and made two more. You've been faithful a little, I'm going to give you much. To, I'm going to trust you with much. And the one who, who did nothing with it and just hid it and accused the master of being harsh in character and, you know, didn't do anything with the gifts, he ended up being sent outside, thrown, thrown out, whether it's weeping and grinding of teeth. And this is kind of a, a picture for us, because remember, we're talking about the kingdom of heaven, so we're kind of looking at an end of life or end of times when Jesus comes back and judges, um, and we're all resurrected and, and we're judged, uh, those who are in Christ to eternal life, those who are not in Christ, who've been rebellious and uh, haven't, haven't put their faith in him to eternal punishment. What we do with what God gives us has eternal impact. Both for us, we'll be held accountable, but also just think about all the lives that could be impacted through your gift. Whether that's a gift of encouragement, prayer, um, maybe God's calling you to ministry, and the people that God could be impacting through your voice, um, your investment. I mean, we're all called to be ministers. The Bible speaks of a priesthood of all believers. We're all called to be investing in others and sharing the good news of Jesus. Think about the gifts that God has given you to do that, the time he's given you to do that, the, the talent, and the eternal impact you can have on people's lives. Paul has some words for us in Colossians to encourage us. In, in Colossians 3.17, he says, Whatever you do, whether in speech or action, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, and give thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, give thanks and do it all in, in Jesus' name. Whether, <laughs> whether it's cleaning a bathroom, or treating a disease, or singing a song, playing an instrument, or writing a card, or spending time in your, your, your prayer closet, uh, whatever it might be that you're doing, working with kids, volunteering in the community, um, going on a walk, going to the park, whatever you do, do it all for Jesus' glory, in Jesus' name. Look for ways to, to, to show him off to people through whatever you do. Paul also says, whatever you do, do it from the heart for the Lord and not for people. You know that you will receive an inheritance as a reward. You serve the Lord Christ. I can tell you, sometimes if we get kind of stuck in the here and now and we're a little box of focus, I mean, I can imagine, like, homework. Sometimes you might just feel like, I'm just going to do the bare minimum to get by because I don't care about this class. I don't like the professor and whatever, right? <laughs> Paul would say, do your homework as if you're doing it for the Lord. Do it from your heart <laughs> for the Lord. <laughs> and you'll receive an inheritance as a reward. Whatever you do, whether it's, you know, <laughs> changing diapers <laughs> or painting a house or doing lawn care or making, you know, PVC parts at, you know, the factory, whatever you do, remember the Lord is your master. It doesn't matter who your boss is, who your, your professor is, right? You're doing it for the Lord. Honor him in the way you do it. You serve the Lord Christ. 
do it from your heart too. Um, and that can be challenging, right? And then we know that our love for God will result in love for neighbor. First John says, This commandment we have from him. Those who claim to love God ought to love their brother and sister also. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born from God. Whoever loves someone who is a parent loves the child born to the parent. If you love Sam and Leah, you're going to love Haven and Zemi, right? If not, Sam and Leah might have some issues with them. Well, guess what? Everyone God calls to be his children, those who receive Christ, they are, they are sons and daughters. We are, we are children of God through Jesus. And so we got to love one another because God's our, our daddy. And if I love my daddy, I'm going to love his children, right? <laughs> and if, uh, <laughs> if I'm hating on one of his children, my daddy's going to have something to say to me about that, isn't he? Because he's their daddy, too, and he loves them. And it can be challenging sometimes because <laughs> there are people that sometimes get under our skin and we just can't see eye to eye with them. And we're like, oh, how do I deal with that person? Um, when I come across that, I just ask the Lord, help me to love them the way you love them. Help me to see them through your eyes. <laughs> help me to appreciate them and to see your image in them and to love them as your children, as my brother and my sister. And when we work, the way we, we, the way we steward the gifts that God gives us, it's, it's got to be loving towards his children. Because if we use our gifts in ways that are not loving towards his children, guess what? He's not going to like the gift you bring to him. It's not loving towards his children, right? And so it's important that our work, whatever we do, whatever we put our effort and our time and our treasure, our talent to, that it's not something that's belittling, that's hurting, that's uh, unjust to others. We want it to be pleasing to God. And so to please God, uh, our efforts must be just and honest and loving to our neighbors. Proverbs 28, 8 says, Those who become rich through high interest rates gather money for those who are generous to the poor. Guess what? God favors those who are generous to the poor over those who take advantage of them, right? And he's the one who distributes wealth, right? We talked about that. And so God's going to make it right. <laughs> God's going to stick up for the underdog. God wants us to stick up for the underdog and to love his, his little ones who are not being treated right. We're not being treated justly. And so... We don't want to be those who become rich because we're, you know, using systems in place to take advantage of the poor, of those who, not only just poor, but who are in a, a social structure that makes it harder for them to get by, right? Um, there's lots of ways we could apply this, but we want to make sure that however we get our money, it's just, it's right. It doesn't cut corners. It doesn't take advantage of people. And uh, God's going to bless those who are generous to the poor. Another proverb, 16.8, better a little with righteousness than great profits without justice. God wants us to be just, to love our neighbor. It's, it's better to not have as much finances than to gain a bunch of finances through unjust systems, unjust methods. Uh, God wants us to love our neighbor with what um, he gives us. God gives us much so that we can make it more. Don't, don't you look at your paper clip and think, what is this paper clip in my life? It might seem like something really small, really insignificant. Maybe maybe something that 
you've been holding on to, but you just thought, I can't do anything with this. Well, guess what? <laughs> if that guy can turn a red paper cup into a house, <laughs> think what God can do. <laughs> the one who created you, the one who created everything, what he can do with what you feel like is a little, he's giving you much. He wants to, to help you make it more. And he's going to grow you, and he's going to grow whatever that gift is that he's given you. I also want to think about, um, as we close, the, the ultimate bigger or better trade-up, right? Better than a house. Through Jesus, uh, what Jesus did for us on the cross was the ultimate bigger or better uh, gift uh, trade. Jesus says, come to me. <laughs> you are weary, I'll give you rest. Come to me as you are. Come to me, <laughs> you sinners. Uh, that includes me. And I'm going to give you holiness. I'm going to cleanse you. I'm going to give you forgiveness and love. And I'm going to give you uh, an inheritance. You're going to become uh, daughters and sons of the Most High God. Come to me. Give me what you have. All the brokenness. All the pain. The shame. Uh, the difficulties. The struggle. That's wearing you out. Uh, the struggles with sin that you've had. Give that all to me. Come to me as you are. And I will take that from you. I will take that burden from you. And I will give you my righteousness. And I will give you my place as God's son. I will, I will share my inheritance with you. The Bible says we are co-heirs with Christ when we are saved through him. Isn't that awesome? What, what better trade-up can you get, right? What we bring to the table is, is, is hurt, is a mess, is chaos, uh, is our, our natural bent to sin, is, is all the memories and the shame, uh, the guilt that we carry. And Jesus said, I want to take that away from you. I want to give you peace and joy and freedom. I want to I give you security in your relationship with your heavenly daddy. I want to give you my spirit to live within you and to help you overcome sin, to say no to sin, and to give you power and boldness to go and share this good news with others so they can have the ultimate trade-up too. And so um, if, if you haven't received that tonight, or if it's something that uh, sometimes we just kind of forget what a big deal this is, what, what a beautiful gift that God has given us, uh, I invite you to, to talk with him with about that again tonight. We're going to close in prayer. And to, to give the Lord whatever it is you're carrying, to entrust it with him, to let go of it with him if it's something, some bitterness, some hurt, some resentment some guilt, whatever it is, to let go of it and give it to him, but also to let go and give your gifts to him and say, Lord, I, I've been thinking about learning this language. I've been thinking about picking up this instrument or singing or um, doing something with my, my woodworking or I don't know, whatever your gift might be. I say, Lord, this gift is yours. <laughs> Help me to invest in it. Help me to apply my time. Help me to use it in ways that are loving to you and to others and to make an impact. Uh, not just now, but for eternity in the lives of others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. You are the God of one red paper clips. <laughs> First off, that you've given us the best trade of ever, God. We, we thank you for the gift of your Son, that you came in the flesh through him to take away our guilt, to take away our sins, to take away our diseases, and to give us a wholeness, a holiness, a heart and life, uh, to give us your peace and joy and love, that, that we can have forgiveness in you, that we can be made right with you, um, 
how we could be holy as you are holy God, it seems impossible to us, but it's possible through you and what you did through Jesus and the gift of your spirit. We thank you, God. Whatever it is that we've been holding on to more than you, Lord, um, whether it's resentment or hurt or bitterness, hatred, uh, guilt, God, shame, whatever it is, God, we, we give it to you and we let go of it, God, and we, we hold on to what is ours through Christ. We put our trust in you, Jesus. We repent of our sins, God. We give up our our bad habits, our, our sin habits, God. We repent of them. We turn them over to you, and we, we want you more than anything. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for freedom in Christ over all these things that have been holding us back. And God, we also entrust you the gifts that you've given to us, God. Everything comes from you. Each and every one of us, Lord, you have gifted. You've gifted generously. You've gifted uniquely, God. And you've gifted according to our abilities with you, which are way beyond what we could ever dream. So whatever it is that each of us has to bring to the table, we give it to you. We pray that you would help us to be good stewards, to be maximizers, God, to be creative, to, to dream God-sized dreams that are only possible with you, Lord. Help us to, to be diligent. Help us to, to love our neighbors and to be a blessing to our communities. To, to show mercy and justice and love through our work and our gifts, God. We thank you that you are the God who richly provides. And that we thank you for inviting us into this creative work uh, that you're doing in this world. We love you, Lord. We trust you. We pray all in Jesus' name. Amen.